Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. It's been a massive couple of weeks in the NFL world since we did our last episode. Ryan, your health is most important of all, and you had a pretty bad car wreck last Sunday night. How are you traveling, first of all? Thanks, Nick. Yeah, good to be back talking to you, mate, and all of our listeners. Yeah, unfortunately, involved in a pretty nasty car accident, as you mentioned. Um, Card certainly didn't fare very well. It's going to be a a write-off, but um, yeah, unfortunately, I've... Well, fortunately or unfortunately, I've escaped with a uh, fractured patella and that's had an operation and was on the road to recovery last week and feeling much better this week, mate. So good to be chatting to you. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's been a big couple of weeks at the NFL. Um, no more undefeated teams, which is huge. Uh, good for the equalization of the game. And um, yeah, it's, it's anyone's, it's up for grabs at the moment, isn't it? So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic opening six weeks and uh, looking forward to diving in and chatting through all the talking points with you, mate. Well, mate, very happy to have you back. Glad that uh, that you're okay. Broken, but not beaten, unlike the Niners and the Eagles. And Brock Purdy now, the regular season streak is over. Yes. Uh, it took a while. What's that, 16, 17 weeks, something like that for Brock Purdy? Regular season games? Uh, not quite that many. I think it was about um, 10 or 11 I regular season more, games that he was on. More than that. Uh, you'll be mistaken, yeah, mate. But, uh, that's all right. That. I know my my purdy facts, but uh, look, it was <laughs> disappointing. He he certainly had his um, probably his arguably well, definitely his worst game as a as a pro. Um, so that was disappointing for him. Uh, PJ Walker uh, wouldn't mm-hmm. have thought he'd, uh, he'd be high on the list of quarterbacks that would beat the Niners' defense and and give the Niners the first their first loss. But um, yeah, that Browns defense is is something special and. You know, the Niners probably still had it there to win. They obviously missed a couple of kicks, um, you know, that that obviously has um, cost them the game in the end and for a guy that hadn't missed a kick all season. So um, it's one of those places, isn't it? Cleveland can be very um, treacherous for kickers, quite a windy windy city and can be – the outdoor conditions can certainly throw up some interesting results. But, um, yeah, I think I was more stunned, to be honest, with the Eagles in the second half especially. I mean – that shutout was pretty ugly to watch, to be honest. And it was, I don't know if it was anything the Jets defense was doing amazingly well. Yes, they're a great defense, but I don't know what was going on with some of the play calling and some of the, yeah, Jalen Hurst just need to get rid of the ball a bit sooner. And, um, you know, penalties cost them dearly, but yeah, some pretty bad plays to, to lose to lose that game. And, you know, it's not really going to cost them in the end, I don't think, um, although it does kind of get Dallas right back in the conversation for that, that division title, but uh, yeah, look, I, I think it's something the Eagles can shake off, but it was pretty alarming just to watch that that half. But how did you kind of see it as a as a big Phillies man? Oh, look, it, it was tough. It was a tough watch. I mean, the reality we we know that offensively the Eagles haven't been the juggernaut that they were of last season. We we know that we've seen that over the first month and a half. Re- outside of this game, even before this game, um, the Jets' defense is is very very good, and I think it's important to remember that. Yeah, I think against a lot of teams, and we've seen that already, that the Eagles don't necessarily need to be at 100%. They can fire at 90% or 85% and still win most games. And that's kind of been the, I guess, the fallback point for, for you know the start of this season is that we know that they haven't been 100%. They've shown us that they're not the same offensive team that we saw last year, and we've kind of been waiting for it to click. Um, but when you come up against a, a defense like the Jets, you, you just can't afford it. And... Ultimately, that's what happened. I think that the Eagles' defense was still really good against the Jets, and and they've kind of hung their hat on 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 the D in 
in Philadelphia. But um, against that Jets defense, they're going to take advantage when you give an opportunity. And, and we just gave them too many opportunities. Um, and, you know, it, two minutes to go, a minute to go, and uh, and you do that, like, they're, they're going to shut it down. And, and the Jets shut it down. And all credit to them. They, they played really well in that second half. Um, offensively, we know that they don't have too much to, to offer at the moment. Um, but defensively, they're really, really good. And, you know, they shut the Eagles down. And, and you know, Jalen Hurts has to get better. Um, AJ Brown had a had a pretty solid game. Devonta Smith needs to get better. Um, DeAndre Swift needs to get better. I know he scored the, the touchdown uh, in, in the first half. But, um, you know, the, the whole offense needs to get better from, from play calling to execution. Everybody needs to get better. And, and it was an ugly watch and, and probably... It's hard to say this early in the season, but I think when you're when you're five zip heading into into week six, I think it's kind of one of those losses you need to have. Normally, you say it at the end of a season um, when it when a team's gone really well and and you know on on a bit of a streak heading into into the postseason. But um, I think for the Eagles, it was kind of like a bit of a wake up call, you know, against really good defenses. You got to switch on, and and they weren't switched on. They haven't been switched on all year offensively, and um, you yeah, know they got they got shown up. They got shown up real bad by the Jets and. Um, they weren't the only the only team. We, we talked about the Niners. I mean, the Niners were, were unbeaten heading into week six as well. All of a sudden, they're not unbeaten anymore. Um, let, let's talk about the Browns because I think we've been we've been up and down on the Browns all season, as we have for the last hundred years with the Cleveland Browns, up and down as they are. And, and you talk about kind of you know kickers being up and down in Cleveland. Um, with the the conditions and all that stuff, but Cleveland have been up and down in Cleveland for for a while now, and and I think we kind of saw, you know, what Cleveland can do to really good teams when they are switched on, and and they really were very very good against the Niners. Potentially the Niners weren't, you know, running at one hundred percent either. We know that they're banged up and and they've got a couple of issues with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and a couple of other other things that are kind of niggling in the background. But I don't think anyone really saw that coming, no matter how well. Cleveland play, no matter how banged up the Niners might be, uh, I'm not sure anyone saw that coming. Yeah, 100%. Look, I think the Browns were excellent, and we we know it, it's based off their defense as well. And um, they they we we talk about and laud the Niners for their defense, but they've been an offensive juggernaut for a long time now, and came into that came into that game with uh, 30 or more points in eight straight games. They've um, they were only behind Miami in terms of points scored this season, but Cleveland completely shut them down, and they um, they obviously held them to what seventeen points on the weekend, um, held them to just over two hundred yards. They've been averaging almost double that at four hundred yards. So it was a complete performance by the the Browns' defense, despite you know having a few turnovers on the offensive end themselves. They they lost the turnover margin again, um, the Browns, and somehow came away with the win and. That actually, funnily enough, they've lost the turnover battle in every game they've played this year, Cleveland. So if, if they can hang on to the ball, that could be as good as anyone in the AFC in particular. So um, it's just they've got to get a bit more consistency out of their their offense. They've obviously had three different quarterbacks in their last three games. Whether or not Deshaun Watson returns for this week, he probably should, but um, they're not going to rush him back. But, I mean, even though he hasn't been shooting the lights out, so... They're going to hang their hat on that defense, and unfortunately for the Browns, they you know in in how they're playing right now, a handy running back wouldn't be too bad, would he? Like a guy named Nick Chubb would be handy. So look, it's it's disappointing they've lost him for the season. It's going to make a a massive difference in the in the runs of the playoffs without him. But look, they're they're as good as any team in the AFC on defense for sure. Um, mm. 
and they're in a very stacked conference, as we know, in terms of that tightness. But uh, they probably look the ones at the moment, don't they? They their best looks the best, I think, in the AFC, in that AFC North at the moment. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I thought watching watching a bit of that first quarter, I thought watching the Niners were on. You know, they scored first. McCaffrey again. Mm. Touchdown in his in his fifteenth consecutive game, which is unreal. Unheard of. Uh, NFL NFL record equaling fifteenth game, I think it was. Uh, so obviously, if he plays this week, there's a there's a touchdown watch on on Christian McCaffrey. Um, but speaking of of the Browns division, Baltimore, what happened? I mean, I, I I'm still asking myself the same question that I asked myself six weeks ago, and five weeks ago, and four weeks ago. In that, is Baltimore any good? I, I'm still not any clearer on that, to be honest. And I was telling to you just offline before that um, for whatever lack of sleep and different sleeping patterns with my busted knee, I, I spent pretty much all night Sunday up and I and I watched pretty much that entire game um, despite it starting at 12.30 on Sunday night and, and watched it right through till about 3.30 a.m. <laughs> but um, it was a tale of two halves for Baltimore in that one. And look, they... They, they're clearly the better team. They have clearly the way better roster than the Tennessee Titans. But somehow, as we got to the last possession of the game, the Titans had a chance to tie it. And it should have been put away a lot sooner than that. The Ravens completely dominated that game. They um, they completely harassed Ryan Tannehill and, and the Tennessee quarterbacks. They had, obviously, Tannehill went out of that game injured, but... You look at the stats, the passing yards were just deplorable from Tennessee. They had no game in the air whatsoever. Obviously, Derek Henry had a couple of big runs, which probably inflated the the yard stats at the moment because they just could get nothing going on the Titans. The, 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 the issue for the Ravens was they couldn't finish off any of their good drives. They got down to the red zone with ease every time and then just sputtered and couldn't get it, punch it in. And they only scored one touchdown for the game, but they could have easily scored five or six. They just... Settled for field goals. Justin Tucker had a day out. Um, so well done if you started him in fantasy. He kicked about six field goals, I think. But it was based I, off. I did in I did in, in yes, our league. Yes, well done. But like the Ravens, this is the issue. They just haven't been good in the red zone. And then um, for whatever reason, in the second half, they just forgot how to play offense as well. And and it was a pretty ordinary second half watch. And um, Tennessee's defense took control. They gave their offense plenty of opportunities, but unfortunately there is a huge crisis, quarterback crisis, I should say, in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill has completely lost his shit. He's no good. He can't get the ball out. I don't think he's got a great offensive line supporting him. But And then Malik Willis is not an NFL standard quarterback. He just runs around, doesn't know what the ball well, is. he's not. No. Nah. And then um, he, he, he's... They've got Levis he's at not, the moment he's on IR or first. injured, oh. who they drafted, obviously, this year. He, he has to be the potential, the answer for Tennessee. But um, I think it's going to be a long season for the Titans. And, yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere at the moment with that offense. Which makes me wonder why Devot went went there because Tannehill is just completely, completely well, I think, lost the I plot. think <laughs> you, you, from, from DeAndre Hopkins' perspective, it's I think it's kind of like – yeah, maybe last chance saloon in in Tennessee. You know, maybe you can have one more crack at it with Tannehill and and King Henry. But um, yeah, look, it's it's tough. Um, I think you're spot on. Malik Willis is not Lamar Jackson. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Michael Vick. Um, you know what I mean? He's he's not Justin Fields. He's Malik Willis, and he's he's not at the level. And maybe maybe he's one of those guys that is just like you know. 
put the ball in my hands and I'll run it. And I'm a running back at the NFL level. Like maybe, maybe he's that guy that everyone kind of accused Lamar Jackson of being in that first year and accused Jalen Hurts of being in that first year and accused Justin Fields of being, you know, two years ago. But he's he's certainly not the guy, at least not now, in Tennessee to be throwing the ball. He he's not he's not a, a game manager, he's not a play caller, he's not a throwing quarterback in a league that is dominated by passing quarterbacks. And you mentioned Will Levis, and, and I wanted to ask you about him because I didn't see a lot of him. Obviously, transferred from Penn State to, to Kentucky. Um, you know, he's 24 years old. He's, he's old coming out of out of college. He's, he's physically ready and mature, I think, enough for the NFL. Obviously, they've got the week off. They've got the bye, the Titans. But is it is it Levis time in Tennessee? I think from from my perspective, they've got nothing to lose now. They ha- They've got to go with the kid. Yeah, look, uh, I think the only thing holding that back is obviously he's been injured and I don't think he's actually healthy at the moment to play. But And that's probably one of the reasons why Willis got the the nod to go into the game once Tannehill exited. But, uh, yeah, look, he, he just doesn't know when to throw the ball. He he runs around with, de- like, de- with um, like deer in headlights, unfortunately. And, look, that might come with, with a bit more maturity. He's only, what, second year in the league. But he had a few cracks at it last year and did the same thing. And... I know we're pretty harsh and quick to judge um, quarterbacks in this league, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't think he seems like a long-term solution for Tennessee. But yeah, potentially after the bye, Levis could be healthy. I'm not too sure. I don't think he is an IR. I know he was just has been out um, with with an injury. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but uh, yeah, he could be the one, especially with Tannehill's poor play and and him potentially him nursing an injury heading into Week Eight. Um, so. We'll see what they do. Mike Vrabel, um, not sure he'll go around too much longer, especially if they fall off the cliff here. I think um, he's kind of taken this this franchise as far as he could. And, you know, they had a couple of good cracks at it. They were the number one seed a couple of seasons ago. They've had a really, really solid um, crack under Mike Vrabel in this unit. But, um, yeah, perhaps they've got hit their ceiling and and, and um, it's a it's back to the draft for the Titans. Now, before we move on to some of the other talking points, from week six, I wanted to ask you about the uh, the international games. Obviously, three weeks in a row, we've had the early the early game out our, our time. You know, kind of midnight, twelve thirty a.m. Melbourne time, Australian Eastern. Um, for some people, some people love it because it's early enough that they can stay up and, and watch the game and then and then have a bit of a kit before Monday morning. Uh, I love turning red zone on at 4 a.m. And so watching a game at midnight or 12.30 is really difficult. I, I did it the first couple of weeks, but I just could not bring myself to do it for a Titans-Ravens game. Uh, what about you, mate? What do you think of the uh, the, the midnight start? I wasn't certainly wasn't planning on staying up for it, that's for sure. I didn't even get up to watch the – or stay up to watch the Bills one when they played the Jags, which I was pretty happy I didn't in the end. But, look, I think um, they have their place, don't they? But um, I know that a lot of NFL – pundits in the states aren't loving it i don't don't know because it's just become uh it's gone from a novelty to become every week and and Mm. i think they like the idea of it being a novelty one two three maybe for the whole season but they've just gone three weeks in a row Mm. i think we have a week off this week and then we're off to or a couple weeks and then we're off to germany for two weeks in a row like maybe it is a bit of fatigue like that's a lot of games i know they're looking to even play more international games again next year um, it, it doesn't hurt us. I mean, it, it's cool for the viewer in America. You can have that triple header, essentially. You get the morning or well, the quadruple. You get the morning, the early slate, 
late slate and then the the night game. So you get a full day of full Sunday of football in the States. Not great timing for us here in on the eastern seaboard in Australia at twelve thirty for a kickoff. But um look, it doesn't hurt. I mean you lose one game from your from your red zone schedule, I suppose. You get um yeah, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. But yeah, I, I'd love one to come here. Then I'd probably be a bigger fan mm. of it. But uh, <laughs> um, look, the the people in the UK and in London in particular have obviously embraced it. You're getting huge crowds. They're obviously, you know, state-of-the-art stadiums. I don't think it hurts the the product at all. But um, yeah, maybe, it, I don't know, maybe there is a cap on it. I'm not sure. Or if you can spread it out more. Um, rather than being it every week in a row. I'm not mm. too sure what the answer is there. But, yeah, I don't mind it. That's for sure. I, I love the concept, but I think you're three mm. weeks in a row is, is a bit much. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I'd love it if, you know, week one next season, you know, Eagles, Rams in Melbourne or Sydney or whatever it is, like the two the two Aussie-designated teams in uh, the NFL international market, Eagles, Rams here in Australia would go massive. I mean, it'd sell out no matter what stadium it was at, whether it was – uh, Allianz or, or ANZ, whatever it's called, and the MCG or whatever it is, like it'll sell out. It'll get 80,000, 100,000, wherever it is. Um, and it would be massive. And, and you could do it a week ahead of the rest of the season start, you know, so, so that the two teams flying back have the week off and all that sort of stuff. There's a, there's a way you could do it. But three weeks in a row um, just seems a bit much for, for, I don't know, the same time slot, the same city saying everything kind of the same three weeks in a row feels a bit much but uh we've probably Mm. spent speaking of a bit much we've probably spent a bit too much time (laughs) talking about uh you know the titans and the ravens and london but um speaking of ugly the denver broncos are real 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 ugly they are they are just gross aren't they they are they're real bad and um it's just lucky the chiefs kind of you know toyed with them essentially on Thursday night, wasn't it? Like that could have been anything. I think, um, you know, again, the Chiefs kind of have just been just been going. They haven't certainly been putting teams away. I mean, they. I know you've got a good stat on the Chiefs later on that we'll, we'll get, get into, but I think the Chiefs, they're just doing what they need to at the moment, aren't they? They're, they're not playing with over... I don't think Andy Reid's keeping a lot of things up his sleeve. He's not opening up the playbook too much. Um, Mahomes is probably having his worst statistical season and, and probably to the naked eye, probably having his worst season in the league at the moment as a mm. pro, which is, um, you know, better than most. Than, yeah, you know. it hasn't been helped by his receiving core, to, to be fair. No, nah, exactly. And look, he's had, yeah, he's had a few issues on the receiving end with some drops and things like that. And he certainly hasn't got the the star power that he used to have. But, um, you know, Travis Kelsey had about nine or 10 catches on the weekend, um, getting him into the end zone, sadly, for his um, his adoring fans watching uh, at the game, but look, they, they, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of adoring Travis Kelsey fans right now. There is. There? He's got, um, there's no man hotter in the game at the moment. Is there or in the world of sport? Really? He's, he's, um, well, my, my, my wife would say Bryce Harper is right up there today because she's yes. just become a Phillies fan in the last 24 hours. But no, the Swifties, the Swifties are well on board. Travis Kelsey. Aren't Oof, they? Don't you worry about that. He's, um, they're doing quite well. And you saw, um, Trav was at the game with his brother uh, in game one last um, yes. other night in the Phillies as well. Yes. So how good yeah, is that? Big Phillies fans. You know, imagine, um, I don't know if that AFL players had the same leash here, go and watch a sporting, another sporting event. Yeah. Publicly. You want to, like, that's right. Yeah. Trip. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, the, the thing about 
Philly, right? And and I'm not going to turn this into a baseball pod, but but Philly athletes get around each other. It doesn't matter if you're a, if you play for the Sixers or the Eagles or the Phils or the Flyers or the Union, but you get around each other. Like they love each other. And if you spend a year in Philly playing sport or following sport, you follow all the teams. Mm. Like it's just you you just get consumed by it. And so it's it's amazing to see you know, Eagles players like Jason Kelsey get around the Phils. And you know, bringing Travis along, and there's a bunch of Sixers fans that go to Phillies games, and vice versa, and Eagles, and it's really, it's just really cool. It's one of the reasons I love that city, and I, and I love sports in that city. But uh, well, do go on. There'll be a big famous person at the uh, World Series if the Phillies make it as well that um, we can potentially discuss later in the in the podcast. Oh, <laughs> might need a drink for that one. <laughs> but now, look, I think um, the Chiefs, for instance, yeah, they they're just kind of um, just plodding along as as they need to. They're just winning games as they need to, again, without kind of opening up the playbook too much or doing anything too strenuous. But, yeah, the mm. Denver Broncos are bad, man, real bad. And um, if not so much guaranteed money was kind of caught up in this whole Russell Wilson, Sean Payton experiment, mm. I'd be making a change. But, look, I think Sean... Well, not just money, not just money, right? But Yeah, it's everything. Draft assets and, and a bunch of things. Like, they've got to see this out for a while. They, yeah. They've got no other choice. It's it's real bad, and and I'm very interested to see how they go this week back at home against a Packers team who's, who's really struggled the last couple of weeks. Obviously, coming off a bye though, but uh, I can't see the Broncos winning that one at the moment. But, oh, I'll tell you, uh, they are you, in an awful mess. Yeah. The uh, it's on my watch list. It's on my watch list that game. We'll get to that a little bit later on, just as we will the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, because there is a take bag mention of the Chiefs that you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier on. But um, we'll get to that. Uh, a little bit later, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals have been a bit like the Cleveland Browns, up and down all year. Started off very slow, uh, very much a worry, but two wins in a row now. Defense has been the calling card in Cincinnati, which has been a great sign, I think, for Bengals fans. But their offense is just starting to uh, to tick along. Obviously, that uh, Joey B. And Jamar Chase combination is uh, heating up a little bit. But um, how are you seeing the Bengals at the moment? Look, I think, yeah, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, the defense is is kind of what's turned their season around a little bit. And that's probably why, excuse me, I, I made a big sweeping statement a couple of weeks ago after they beat the Rams. I saw a lot from that defense, especially in that second half in that, in that Rams game. And I thought they'd kind of continue that on. Then they had that... Uh, disaster against the Titans, but the last two weeks they've they've looked better again. They've had um, you know they had a bit of an offensive explosion against the Cardinals, who we know aren't great on defense. So they had every right to do that. They did turn the ball over against the Cardinals, and then they managed to do that again against the Seahawks this week, who are, are riding a three game winning streak. They're they're a much better side, it's probably the best. Well, it's easily the best team they've beaten all season, and I think. Um, I think the Bengals are kind of finally finding figuring it out. Joe Burrow looks healthier. He was moving around a hell of a lot better in this one. So that's a huge sign um, because we know Burrow is one of those, you know, uh, modern quarterbacks that needs to be mobile and get his legs moving to, to look his best. And, um, you know, he, he did start off red hot against the Seahawks. Things did fizzle out um, for the Bengals offense and it was, really a defensive slugfest at the end of that game. But um, Cincinnati came came through and, you know, um, made some crucial stops on Geno and the Geno Smith and the um, and the Seahawks. So, yeah, it was a huge, 
a huge win for the Bengals to tick that one off. Um, massive test for them coming up after the bye. They've got the Niners in San Francisco. So that'll be a real good test of the see where the, the Bengals are out there. But um, so far, so good. They've got it back to three and three. So they're still well within the, um, you know, the shouting uh, for AFC North. Um, so happy that I did lock them in, even though we did would have got inflated um, <laughs> after that Titans game. But uh, look, I think um, they're sure. on their way back and I certainly wouldn't be writing them off, but there's not, enough yet to go yes they are 100 back yeah very good call and i think that that shout a couple of weeks ago saying that the Bengals are, are are still a big shout in that uh in that division and conference obviously yeah it's, it's worth something but um speaking of of that conference jacksonville mm. again another slow start for the jags but as you've got here, and this is one of your notes in uh, in our run sheet, but the Jags are kind of flexing the muscles now in that in that division, and we know that there's some issues with that division in general. But <laughs> yeah, look, the the Jags are the Jags are strong. They're strong. Yeah, I think they they've been a little bit underrated. I think um, what they're doing on defense, the slow start didn't help. No, the, but look- the, the slow start on offense didn't help. No, and look, they're still not they're not a perfect um product on offense at the moment either. I mean, um Travis Ed, Travis Etienne has had two massive weeks back to back, which has mm-hmm. certainly helped Trevor Lawrence. The only issue kind of with T Law going into to this week off a short week is that he kind of left the game with an ankle injury against the Colts. So it'd be interesting to see. He did apparently practice partially uh on Tuesday their time. So look, he at the moment, it looks like he will suit up for that Thursday night game against the Saints. But don't be surprised if he does get ruled out. And um, that obviously swings the pendulum back to the Saints. But I think the Jags are finally putting it together. They obviously, I mean, Gardner Minshew is not the same quarterback as, as Anthony Richardson. And the Colts have looked quite explosive with, with Anthony Richardson under centre. But uh, I think that kind of breakout win this week in terms of like it was a large margin. It was an easy win for the Jags that has kind of put themselves there's that's the gap between the AFC South or them and the, the rest. And I know the Texans are kind of um, sticking around and the Texans did beat the Jags only a few weeks ago, but uh, I think the Jags have far more weapons on both sides of the ball. And mm-hmm. I think that's their, they're the cream of the crop and we'll see that kind of keep rising as we, um, as we keep going into the season, but uh, they're a good place at the moment. The Jags four and two um, and climbing in our power rankings as well. They are, aren't they? And I guess while we're on it, while we're on it, one thing that I did not expect to see uh, on a punt return podcast run sheet six weeks into the season is the sentence, the Houston Texans show they're a potential playoff contender. I know it's that it's it shocked me as well, and it's disappointing because I think it's I had the, as one of my shocking. one of my plays at the start of the season to have them under six and a half, six and a half wins, which is um, they're already halfway there. Um, but they're just finding ways, and, and CJ Stroud again has been excellent. He didn't have a an amazing game against the Saints, but that defense has been stepping up, hasn't he? And uh, that's been the um, been one of the catalysts for the Texans that. Uh, so yeah, look, they're, they're a genuine playoff contender at the moment, three and three. They're well within the division hunt as well. Um, but of course the ASC doesn't look, um, you know, as dominant or as one-sided as it once was last year. So I think the Texans are within the shout of a, of a playoff 
playoff berth, which gives me a little bit of jitters. They're in a buy this week, but uh, <laughs> very interesting to see how the they, they need. Play out. But they've been they've been one of the surprise packets and 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 been very solid to start the season. The uh, the Texans need the buy to get back on track, don't they? They need to get back to losing football and, <laughs> and just back on track for everybody's over and under, you know, po- you know, season over under win win numbers. But um, speaking of explosive, you, you mentioned explosive before, and um, I think an offense that we we need to talk about because it's been a couple of weeks. But Miami, how they allowed a fourteen point start. And then came back and did what they did from the second quarter on. And covered the 14 just, point spread. <laughs> I mean, that is incredible. Like Tua Tua's on pace for five point six thousand five point six thousand yards passing. Uh and there's there is nothing to say, unless there's obviously massive injury, whether it's you know head knocks for Tua or or Tyreek gets injured or whatever, but I don't see how how this isn't kind of some record breaking offensive season for, for Miami. Yeah, how do you slow them down? This is the thing that un- unbelievably you thought, oh yeah, Miami have a great passing game, that but they have no run game. Absolutely no run game. They lead the league in rushing. Right? This team that had no run game leads the team in rushing. Devin Achan, who's played three games this season, is still second or third in rushing yards for this season. And then Raheem Mostert's had a, a second coming, and he's all of a sudden um, one of the best rushers in the league as well. It's it's crazy to think what they did on the weekend as well. They were down 14-0 within a blink of an eye, had nothing mm. going. They had a 14-point start against the, um, the Carolina Panthers, who, yes, I know they're winless, but... Still a fourteen point star, and you got to give fourteen as well. They did that. With, That's right. That with ease. I mean, Mike White almost fucked it up when he came in the game. He threw a pick six, and um, <laughs> for any of those that took the minus fourteen, you were a bit worried. But then the Dolphins just came down and scored another touchdown, and um, yeah, away you go. So another huge win for the Dolphins. Um, they're averaging just a tick under five hundred yards per game. They are on world record pace, as you mentioned, and. It's, they're a fun team to watch. There's no slowing them down. And I cannot wait for what I thought could have been a Super Bowl preview. Um, but we'll get that get to that in the take bag. But um, on Sunday night, what a game that shapes up to be against Philly. So, um, yeah, can't can't get enough of Miami at the moment. They're, they're playing some scintillating football and um, they're a lot of fun to watch, as I mentioned. You, you're right. I mean, we, we all kind of think about and talk about and all those explosive plays through the air and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and, and these guys. But Raheem Mostert is on track to be the oldest player in about 30 years, I think 28 or 30 years, the oldest player to lead the lead to lead the league in touchdowns. And he's just having some sort of season. Um even having to share time with the rookie. Um what he's doing and, and there was a play not, not this, not last week against the Panthers, but the week before, uh, or whatever it was, where he was essentially a receiver, mm. and he ran about 20, 18, 20 yards down, um, down the line, and caught the ball between two defenders. There was like a linebacker and 
uh, a cornerback, and he jumped, caught the ball between these two, literally between two defenders, and landed inbounds. And watching what what this team can do on offense is just amazing. Like they're so much fun to watch. And we, like I said, we always we think about and talk about Tua and Tyreek and Waddle and these guys, but the fact that, like you said, they're leading the league in rushing yards is just incredible. Um, and you're right. Next week, this coming week is going to be uh, is going to be uh, a must watch game against the, the defense of Philly and the offense of Miami. Is just you, you can't miss that one. Um, one more thing before uh, before we go on, I, I do want to apologize for anyone listening to, to this episode. You're probably going to hear us yawning a little bit more than usual and that is because we're recording this about three hours later than we should be uh with a bunch of tech issues uh well honestly three hours and a day uh that's your fault ryan but we won't go into that because uh you know you're injured but um we are recording this it's now nearly 11 o'clock and we normally start at uh about 8 or 8 30 so uh what i might say is that uh the Patriots are real bad, just like our tech issues. Um, before uh, we, yeah, go go on. Oh, just they're, they're fucking awful. Less said the better. I think they're um, in saying that. That again, they had a crazy chance to win that game against the Raiders. Funnily enough, on the weekend, but um, I think they'll um, yeah come crashing back to earth again this weekend against the Bills, and it'll be another dark day for the Pats who um, continue to struggle. They had seventeen players, I believe on the injured report last week though. So they they're not like they um their full health they you've got their full contingent to pick from. They they are completely mm. decimated in on both sides of the ball, uh, in particular defense. But uh yeah, they're a stinky team unfortunately for for Pats fans. But again, we don't care because they've had a good run and fuck the Pats. Fuck the Pats indeed. Another team that's had uh I guess you, you could say a bunch of success. They won a Super Bowl, I don't know. 15 years ago. Um, so maybe not that much success, but the, the new Orleans saints, uh, obviously they get their, their star man back on, on offense in Alvin Kamara, but, uh, from a fantasy perspective, he's doing, you know, his, uh, his fantasy owners, some good work over the last couple of weeks, but, um, they are having trouble on offense, finding the end zone. They can't score, man. They, they dominated that game really in Houston again, especially by total yards. They had their biggest output of the season in terms of yards, the Saints, but they could only get 13 points. And I don't know if that's on Derek Carr, if it's on the Dennis Allen, if it's on the receivers, but they just can't get things going in the red zone again. Like like a lot of teams, they're just not having that connection. And and the Saints, who have been great on defense for most of the year, they've they sputtered to what three and three, are they? Yeah, look, they could easily be five and one. They 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 blew that game against Green Bay. They should have been in Houston this week. Um, they, yeah, I don't know what to make of them. Obviously, they had that blowout win against the Pats, which is an outlier for the fact that they played the Pats and we just spoke about how bad they are. But, yeah, the New Orleans Saints, um, not clicking at the moment for Derek Carr and the Saints, and they just can't score enough points to be competitive. And um, as good as that defense is, you, you're going to need more than 13 points a game in the NFL to win. So um, big concern there, huge game coming up this week and Thursday night. Uh, I'm really not sure who wins that game again, depending on Trevor Lawrence's health. If he is fully healthy and he plays, I'd probably lean to the Jags. They're an outsider in that one. 
They've just played two games in London. They've had a pretty tough schedule during the short break here. That's probably the only concern. But yeah, just can't trust the Saints offense at the moment. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one for sure. But um I still think they're the best team in the NFC South. And I can probably trust them more at the moment than like a Desmond Rinder offense in Atlanta. Uh, or a Baker Mayfield offense in Tampa. That, and that's really what it comes down to. So Derek Carr has to be better and he has to win that division for that that team. Well, that, they have to win the division, don't yeah. they? They have to win the division because they're, they're not good enough otherwise unless, the, unless they can take out the division. Um, I do want to ask you about two of your favorite teams. And I'm not talking about the Washington Commanders, who I know you've still got a soft spot for. But I, I want to talk about your two most recent favorite teams, which is last season's favorite team and and the buffalo bills and an awful game i mean we've been talking the bills up over the last couple of weeks they're back and josh allen's on fire and yeah the bills are back baby i think that that's one of the the lines that we had a, a couple of weeks ago but the difference between that performance from the buffalo bills and this year's love child the detroit lions Tell us where your heart is right now. <laughs> no, I'm a Bills fan through and through, and Bills Mafia, mate. Don't, don't, don't. Forever. But no, look, birth, the Lions right? are the team that I, I wanted to kind of ride this year as a bit of a smoky, and um, so far so good. They they share the equal best record in the league. They're five and one. They've won four in a row or something. They've only the only game they lost was in overtime to Seattle. They're good in every facet of the of the game at the moment. They're good on offense. They're great on defense on the weekend in particular. They've, had a, they've got an awesome run defense, especially that front seven's doing amazing work. Jared Goff's keeping it simple. He's got some good receivers. He's got a great like, young tight end. Um, the only concern, I suppose, for the Lions and what I kind of kept saying the other week is they just need to stay healthy. And um, St. Brown returned last week after missing one game. Gibbs missed his second straight. And then they lost Montgomery halfway through the second quarter against the Bucks. And then Craig Reynolds had to come in and step up and be their lead back. So... Look, I think at the moment they're they're humming along. They're in their they've had their best start to a season in over a decade. There, things are looking good in Detroit. Uh, really interesting game again this week for them. They play the Ravens in Baltimore. Huge game that one, just to see kind of what happens and what the lay of the land is between those two teams. But yeah, pretty comfortable with what I mentioned about the other week about the the Lions being a real contender in the NFC. And at the moment they. They could even be the best if you if you went on current form. Obviously, the the Niners and the Eagles had just lost, um, and they share the same record as those guys. So, why not the Lions? But um, yeah, they they still don't hold a candle to my Bills, mate. But uh, look, um, no Detroit, <laughs> Detroit. I'll happily keep riding. Um, hopefully, all the way to the Super Bowl. That'd be fun. How's how's the head wobble from a guy who's got a bet each way? Edging your bets, and doesn't matter which way you got a you, you got a winner on you got a winner on both lines. How does this work? Hang on, are we talking about teams that I've I've invested in or teams that I I go I support? Both. I, I flip flop all over the place. I can't <laughs> can't really blame you, but no, look. No, uh, I'm taking, unaware. I'm, taking I'm a Bills here. fan, and Nick likes to give me shit because I used to be a Commanders fan, but um, yeah, the Lions were my smoky this year, I suppose, if, if you had to say that. But um, <laughs> no, they're playing well. They're playing very well at the moment, Detroit Lions. They they sure are. They're they playing really, really well. I do want to ask you, though, about your Bills, because that was, I mean, we, we've spoken about the Niners. We've spoken about the Eagles, but potentially 
the worst performance of all three. And I know they got the win, but the Bills were awful. Like they were they were bad. The, the Eagles were frustrating. The Niners were stifled. The Bills were awful, weren't they? That's a really valid point. And uh, I think the W kind of masks over how bad they were. Obviously, they only played an inept offense who hasn't scored an offensive touchdown for three and a bit games now, the Giants. That's how well they're going. But uh, <laughs> they completely butchered any chance they had of getting a touchdown at the end of that first half, it was um, a bit of comical, actually. And you, you could see Brian Dable wasn't happy. But, mm. fuck, I don't know about the Bills. This is the problem with Buffalo at the moment. Their best and their worst are so far apart. And it's kind of been the same same for the last couple of seasons. They have these games where they annihilate teams by 40. Then they have these games where they, well, you know, in other seasons they might have lost. But that was pathetic against the Giants. That was one of the worst games of football I've ever watched. And, um, you know, you couldn't blame the conditions or anything like that. It was just a really bad day. And Josh Allen was horrible. He he really was. He he had a one of the worst first halves of probably his career, honestly. He was he was so bad. And then he kind of got things going a little bit in that second half. And thank goodness for Stefan Diggs because that, again, that receiving core is very frustrating. They didn't have their rookie tight end who's, Dalton Kincaid, who's kind of been almost like that second favorite target behind, well, third favorite behind Gabe Davis, but um, the backup tight end, Quinton Morris, had got his first, I think his first target and his first reception of the year, and mm. it was a touchdown. So um, that kind of saved their blushes, the the Bills, but they they still let the Giants kind of march up the field and almost pinch it at the end. So very concerning. Um, good that they got the win, but um, and they'll get a confidence booster, I think, this week against the the Patriots, but you would have said that last week um, against mm. going into the Giants game. So not sure what to make him of at the moment. That's um, that's a concern. But, um, yeah, I'm interested as well to discuss the power rankings with you who, um, you know, you were responsible this week and you've got the bills higher than mm. I probably would have thought you did. You should. Well, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I do, I do want to, I guess, allay your fears somewhat. I know because the, the bills are very close to your heart and they have been for forever of the last six minutes. Um, but Josh Allen with, with his two touchdowns yes. uh, reached 150 touchdowns in the NFL, which is, that's a pretty good number. It's a, it's a nice number, a nice round number. And only four other guys have reached 150 touchdowns in the NFL quicker than Josh Allen. Now, some of these names I think you'd, you'd probably recognize. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is number two on the list in 63 games. Aaron Rodgers, two-time MVP, 76 games for 150 touchdowns. Andrew Luck, 77 games is at number four. Dan Marino, all-time great, 62 games. But Josh Allen, 83 games. Josh Allen, 83 games. That is that is very, very good company. And I think even after that awful performance, I think the I think there is still blue skies ahead for the Buffalo Bills because they're they're in their prime. Yeah, look, they they're absolutely set up to contend for the next few years. Um you know, regardless of how this one kind of plays out. The only concern was obviously that 
that there was a chance that Diggs was going to walk and couldn't get the contract he wanted. And, you know, if you lose pieces like that, it makes it hard. But you're right. He's he's had an unbelievable start to his career. He's in fantastic company. That Dan Marino stat is unbelievable. How good that guy was. It's unreal. When, isn't it? it's unreal. when he was a rookie. It's unreal. Um, but, yeah, look, I like you said, I think there's um, nothing to be too concerned about in terms of the long longevity of the of the franchise at the moment but uh, concerning when you can you can only just sneak over the line against a team like the Giants at the moment and in a pretty ugly game but uh yeah you've you've made me feel better mate uh thank you for telling me that I was a I'm a six minute supporter it's more like five but thank you <laughs> well well I've spent the last couple of years giving you shit so I thought I'd give you something to make <laughs> you feel a little bit better uh in your time of need but speaking of um I guess teams that are, are in the contending window, and these are, I guess, two teams that are two different sides of the scale in that we know the Dallas Cowboys are contending. We know that they've been a good team for the last three or four years. They've always had a single hole. They've never been able to put it all together. It's either offense, defense, special teams, but they've never been able to put it all together. And the Chargers, who have just about as much talent on that roster as any team in the league in recent times, but again, haven't been able to put it all together. The Cowboys get up in the final couple of minutes again. That was a, it was a tough game, but did the Cowboys show you enough in that against an underperforming Los Angeles Chargers to think that they're still in that window at the moment? Yeah, I mean, anytime you go into a go on the road and, and win, it's 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 a good win, and um, I think they probably could have made it a bit easier on themselves, Dallas. I think they did not dominate the game, but they definitely were the better team on the night. They probably could have won by another another touchdown or something um, to let a really bad penalty and a few things happen at the end where where the, where the Chargers got back into the game. Uh, the muff punt as well, sorry, that, that didn't help their cause. But um, look, I think the the thing with Dallas is they can make plays when you need to. And look, we saw that with um, Stefan Gilmore with the game-clinching game clinching interception. We saw Michael Parsons, who hasn't been cited for a couple of weeks, make that really timely sack on third down to Justin Herbert. And um, we know how good he is. He was, he's been kind of held in check a little bit, but that Dallas defense even without Trayvon Diggs and, and a couple other pieces, they're, they're still one of the best in the league. And I think the connection that Dak finally showed with some of his receivers, he, he got CD Lamb involved, he got Michael Gallup involved. Uh, if you can get, you know, get, again, just better in the red zone, they they kind of stumbled again, had to settle for a couple of field goals. But, and that was, it was behind a non-existent running game. We saw Tony Pollard break loose, but that was from a, from a passing play, but um TP13, one of my faves, he'll he'll come good and he's still an explosive running back. So they have all the pieces there, the Cowboys. It's just more about how I still think the concern on that team is the quarterback, but he definitely went into and outperformed Justin Herbert on the weekend. So he had one of his best games for the year, Dak. He, he moved his legs well. He rushed when he needed to. Um, no, he was solid. Didn't throw a pick, which was important. And um, Dallas came away with a win. I was really, I mean... It pains me to say it because obviously I hate the Dallas Cowboys, but I really thought that Mike McCarthy might be able to come in and and turn Dak Prescott into something closer to Aaron Rodgers 
because I think he's got talent. I think there's there's enough there to show that Dak Prescott can be an above average NFL quarterback. But whether it's offensive play calling, whether it's Dak's execution, whether it's the receiving core, I I feel like offensively there are so many errors and issues and mismanagement and I just I'm I'd love to be able to blame it all on Dak Prescott, but I don't think he can. Like, I feel like there's a bunch of things that are just holding the Cowboys back. They're four and two, and obviously the the Niners and Eagles losses, you know, brings them to five and one, keeps that keeps that door open for the Cowboys. But I still feel like, on a number of levels, even with the Niners and Eagles underperforming, that they're still at least a level back. They're still a level behind those two, at least, and probably the Bills. And right now the lines, and we'll talk about the the power rankings in, in a minute, but that's essentially how I've got them. Um, before we get to that, I do want to talk about the charges and watching a little bit of the charges over the last month or so, but but more so over the last couple of years. As anyone who's listened to this show over the last couple of years knows, we we've been big advocates for the charges and the amount of talent and the things that they can do with ball in hand and on defense as well, the amount of talent they have on that roster is just incredible. Looking at what uh, we've spoken about Brandon Staley and play calling and decision-making for, for two years now, there's a guy in Minnesota who the Vikings don't have the greatest record. We know that they've struggled a little bit this season. But some of the offensive play calling from Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, I would love to see what he could do with an Austin Eckler and a Keenan Allen and a Justin Herbert. And, you know, these guys, uh, I kind of feel like he's being held back by talent in Minnesota. And you put him in a franchise with the amount of talent there is on the charges. And I really wonder what something like that combination could mm. do. Really good point. I, I do. I was, it's an interesting question because I was almost going to raise it in the take bag about which coach will get fired first, and I, I think I've made a call on that. But I think it could have easily it could easily be Brandon Staley. You know, if, if things start to go south for the Chargers, it could easily be Brandon Staley. And, yeah. Um, again, not one of his best days on the office on Monday night. I think Justin Herbert though was you could see he was severely not severely maybe, but definitely hampered by that broken finger or dislocated finger, whatever he's got, but. Are we being a bit too kind to Justin Herbert? Like he he has all the – is it the coaching group holding him back or is it just his lack of winning, you know what I mean? Like, you know, some quarterbacks are, are talented and they just don't have that, that mental edge or that winning kind of formula. He came from what Oregon who hadn't didn't do much in the in – the, um, I think he won a bowl game or something in his college career, but he wasn't a winner like a Joe Burrow or a um, – you know what I yeah. mean? Like he hasn't got that degree of, of yeah. winning under his belt, and yeah, it wasn't a, an Auburn or a no. Nah, like or, I think, yeah, I don't know if we're all kind of overhyping Justin Herbert. Maybe that's what it is because if we if he's as good as what we think he is, and a lot of the of the whole football world does, he should be winning that game again. I know Dallas are a good defense and stuff, but he's got to find ways to win those kind of games. And disappointingly, again, they 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 go down in a close one and. He now gets to to take on Pat Mahomes, who's had a, you know, he hasn't got a great record. He's I think he's about four and one in his career, um, or one and four, I should say. 
um, against the Chiefs, but he's always made it close. So very interested to see how they can come out and play the Chiefs, who, are, like I said, don't think they're at 100% at the moment, but you might um, be able to prove me wrong on that. But, um, yeah, not too, not sure where to for the Chargers at the moment. It's, it's a really good question, and I think you're right. Like, I've, I've always kind of held, you know, the coaching and the decision making pretty close to the fire in in LA, but but maybe there is a question mark, and I think one of the one of the questions is, and and I hadn't actually thought about it until you just mentioned it as to whether Justin Herbert is the you know, a winning quarterback. Like he's got all the tools, physically, skill, talent, all those things, but does he have that dog in him? Like maybe that's the question. Like I don't know, w- would another team, would another franchise be able to get the best out of him? Would another coach be able to get the best out of him? We don't know, but I think if if you're the GM of the Chargers and you have to choose right now, we're going to go one way or another. I think you've got to stick with Justin Herbert mm. as opposed to Brandon Staley. I mean, if if that's the decision right now, oh, that's make a call. Yeah, that's, who, who no, that's, the, that's an easy call. I think you you definitely ride with your quarterback in that situation. I think Staley's had too many kind of red flags against his name and and maybe they're not red flags, but, you know, too many kind of question marks potentially. I mean, Herbert, you can see the upside. And like you said, maybe it's it's a mental thing that he needs, needs someone else to get in his ear and, and potentially unleash that dog, as you say. So, um, yeah, look, I think um, it could be another wasted year for the Chargers, sadly, for them. But um, they're even sitting behind the Raiders in their division at the moment, if you can believe that. Mm. Yeah, it's it's real interesting times for the Chargers. Um, before we get into the power rankings, quick uh, quick run through the stat leaders. Tua obviously and Tyreek obviously <laughs> leading the. No, not much has changed, and and I kind of feel like that's going to be the way that it is for the rest of the season, unless someone like a uh, Stefan Diggs can can jump up. But uh, Tua and Tyreek leading pass yards and, and receiving yards. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, leading the rush yards, and it's be interesting to see what happens uh, if he can get up this week. It sounds like he will, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously they're going to try and get him up to break that um, consecutive game touchdown record. Uh, obviously, um, TJ Watt, Daniil Hunter from Minnesota leading the league in sacks with eight apiece. Zaya Franklin from the Colts leads the league in tackles with 77. They're a pretty good defense, the Colts. I've been. I mean, we've talked about the Colts' defense for a couple of years, but they are showing this year that they're they're pretty dynamic and, and athletic and tough to score against. And and he's a, a massive part of that. <laughs> Your notes for the interceptions. It's this is amazing. We've been doing this podcast now for about thirty five hours, and this is the first time I've noticed the league leader for interceptions you've got here is too many dudes all Mate, on three. There's about. 10 or 12 of them, like all on three interceptions. So I wasn't listing them all. And um, and, and one of them had all three in that's week right, one, right? Whitehead from the Jets. But um, <laughs> yeah, none of them can get over that hump at the moment. So we'll just leave it at that. Lots of dudes on three interceptions. <laughs> the uh, the power rank. It's been a couple of weeks since we did the power rank. We did it last following week four. Uh, and back in week four, we had the top three power rankings. I can't remember if I did in week four or you didn't week four. No, they're my ones. We had the top three in the power rankings as the San Francisco 49ers, the Philadelphia Eagles number two, and the Buffalo Bills in number three. Now, I've gone into week seven, so following week six, number one, the San Francisco 49ers. 
Number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. And number three, despite one of the worst games we've seen in a while, the Buffalo Bills. Now, you mentioned earlier that you think you think the Bills are too high there. Yeah, I think the Chiefs and the Bills need to be swapped around there. I think I think you've got the Chiefs in five, and I, I think um, there's no reason why the Chiefs shouldn't be in that top three conversation at five and one. I know um, I've mentioned that I don't think they're going that great, but I know, again, um, alluding to your take bag that you've got some yeah. stats to say otherwise, but I think the Chiefs could easily be at number three there ahead of the Bills. But great to see who's in fourth. We should we should do the take bag before the power rankings because we're going to get to this later. But you are half right, yeah. I think, and, and also half wrong, but also because you're half right. And I think that the reason the Chiefs aren't higher is that they're not firing on all cylinders. They're still five and one. They're not playing great football, um, especially offensively, which we know is that their calling card, Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey – bunch of dudes right like there's a bunch of dudes and they're just not they're not playing dudes. like a bunch of dudes at the moment and i think that's that's kind of what's holding the back the bills i think have kind of shown enough over the last three weeks outside of this giants game which i kind of feel like is a bit of an aberration sometimes you see bad teams get up for a big game against a good team and they just overperform they outperform and they outworked the bills yeah. i think on defense specifically um and I kind of feel like it was just one of those things. The Giants are awful. I've said it all year. I've said it for two years. The Giants are awful. And I still think that even though they kind of outplayed the Bills, but the Bills found a way to win, which is what good teams do. And, you know, a bad game after three good games is not enough to to kind of get them to drop. I've got the Lions at five and one. They're sitting in number four above the Chiefs only because they kind of are firing on all cylinders. And, and I know... If you if you put them head to head, obviously the Lions beat the Chiefs in Week One. Put them head to head right now, I think the Lions keep beating the Chiefs, and that's why I've got them at four and the Chiefs at five. But I'll get to the Chiefs a little bit later on. I've got the Dolphins at six, and and a lot of people might think that that's probably rough on on a franchise that is doing what they're doing offensively, but defensively they're bad. They're bad defensively, and it it was. I wanted to have them higher, but I also wanted to have them lower. Like they could sneak out of the top 10 based on their defense alone. Um, but what they're doing offensively is so dynamic and so entertaining. They've got to be there. Uh, Cowboys at four and two are in seven because I think they're, they're thereabouts. They're getting, they're getting back to where I think we all think they should be, which really is the top five, a top five NFL franchise with with what they've got. The Baltimore Ravens, four and two at number eight, and the Jacksonville Jaguars sneak into the top 10 at number nine. And the Cleveland Browns, before they brown again, probably next week, are at number 10 at three and two. How do you see how do you see my top 10 outside of the the Chiefs? I don't mind it. Like I said, I think I'd have the Dolphin, oh, sorry, the Chiefs ahead of the Bills. I'll probably have the Dolphins slightly ahead of the Bills too for mine. Um, so definitely in that top six would be the same, just in a little slightly different order. I think Cowboys are the obvious seven. You kind of have to put the Ravens and the Jags next at the four and two records. And then, again, there's a handful of teams at three and two or three and three. So I, I don't see why the Browns wouldn't be number 10. Then you've got the Bucks, Seahawks, Rams, Commanders and Bengals, all the other um, yeah, three and two or three and three teams. So... Probably can't argue with that too much. I'd probably have the Seahawks ahead of the Bucks. Um, 
for mine and maybe the Bengals ahead of the Commanders, but um, it's pretty good. Pretty good top 15 there. Uh, interesting, though, top the bottom three. Somehow there's still no room for the Broncos, yeah. which I think I could even make a point oh, that so the Broncos close. are worse than the Bears. It's so close. It's so close. It was if, – if we had half spots – then the Broncos would be in a half spot, at least with the Giants. But the Giants, the Giants are awful. The Giants are awful. And they brought the Bills down. They brought the Bills yeah. down to their level. Uh, the Bears have been better in the last fortnight. I think we've we've seen some resolve, but you know, Justin Fields banged up, bunch of yeah. other dudes yeah. banged up. How much longer can this willpower and resolve? Stick fat. I, I don't think we've seen it for long enough. Um, the the first month of the season, the Bears were awful. Like they were historically bad um, defensively and offensively. You know, we were talking about whether Justin Fields is the guy for the rest of the season, let alone the next four or five years. Um, so I think I think yeah, maybe they could go into the third last spot. You know, swap the Giants and the Bears. The Broncos are real close. Like they're real. They're in twenty ninth and a half. Um, but the Panthers are bad. The Panthers are real bad. Um, and really, any given week, any of those four could be in any of those bottom four spots, I reckon. Um, and it really depends week to week what those performances look like. Like maybe the Panthers come out and show something um, over the next two weeks and all of a sudden they could be sitting in 29th instead of 32nd. Um but Broncos, the Broncos are really, really frustrating. I think that's the biggest part because they've got they've got a bunch of good players and they've got a good coach and they're just not doing the job. And I I don't know if it's just kind of you know another one of those transition periods and maybe in the second half of the season they start putting it together and it's all rebuilding for next season and and whatever. But I did expect that Sean Payton would come in and kind of turn them around from day one. And maybe that was just, maybe that was just over, overcompensating for what we've seen from them the last two years. Forgot how bad that, that, that roster is or how bad they're playing as a unit. That's like, they've got talent on that roster. It's just cohesively. They just cannot get it together at all. One of the things I wanted to talk about, you, you mentioned the Seahawks. You probably have them over the bucks. The Seahawks, I really wanted to try and see if I could sneak them into the top 10 because I, I, I really like the Seahawks. And there's just a few things that I think that's missing from them kind of week to week. The Rams at three and three uh, have shown in patches that they can be a really good team. The Commanders at three and three also you know, tough to beat, tough to score against. Um, offensively, some question marks as there has been over the last kind of five years or so. And the Bengals sneaking in at 15, yeah, give give them a month and they could easily be in the top five or six, I reckon. Um, like you've said, you know, conference challenging Cincinnati Bengals. Um, that middle portion kind of between 15 and, and 29, outside of the Broncos at, at 29 and a half, is, are there any others that you see could be, you know, contending for the top 15, top 10 kind of, Within the next three to four weeks, Chargers again, like they have the the Chargers and the Saints probably stand out as the ones that could be knocking on the door. There, there's the Colts who are still three and three themselves. The Steelers who've got a um, 
a net positive record at three and two, they're the ones that could be knocking on the door or that next kind of gap between 15 and 20. Then you've got like teams like the Packers as well. So, yeah, a lot to play out. But um, at the moment, I, I wouldn't argue um, about that 15. Definitely, I think they're the, they're the standouts. I wouldn't have anyone kind of ahead of those that you've just mentioned. Well, looking, looking at week seven, there's... The New York Jets are probably the other one. Well, I mean, on on the pure strength of their defense, sure. But whether yeah. they can consistently enough take it up to everybody. I mean, again, like we talked about the Giants a few minutes ago, taking it up to, to the Bills. Like, was was the Jets' performance against the Eagles because they they took it up to a good team when it counted? Defensively, they're really strong, and, and we know that. But is that going to be enough every week? for them to win games of football or did they get themselves up and overperform knowing they've got nothing on offense at the moment uh, defensively out of the box performance against an, an Eagles offense that is underperforming at the moment. So there's some, there's some really big question marks about a lot of these teams. Like there's, there's no team I think in the NFL, maybe it's the lions, maybe it's the lions, but there is no team in the NFL that there isn't at least half a question mark. No, it's 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 still it's it's as open as it's been for a long time. So it's it's been a enthralling first six weeks, and you know the next six are going to be just as good. Looking at week seven, there's a couple of games here that you've highlighted. There's there's a bunch of really interesting matchups, like yeah, the Browns and the Colts, uh, Falcons, Bucks, uh, Steelers, Rams could be really interesting. Packers, Broncos, we've already talked about. There are a couple here that you've mentioned, and and obviously we'll leave Dolphins. Eagles to last, but Jags and Saints you've got highlighted here as uh, as one to watch. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, I think the Jags and the Saints is going to be a really interesting game, especially off the short break for for both teams on Thursday night. Um, the health of Trevor Lawrence will be crucial to how that kind of game goes, and can the Saints finally get it together and, and score some points? Um, they'll need to put up more than twenty points if they're going to beat the Jags, but um, I think it's a must kind of watch game. Very interesting between two. You know, division, division of well, their respective divisions. I know they're in different conferences, but yeah, their respective divisions. They they're kind of expected to win. So yeah, very interesting to see how that one plays out. Detroit and Baltimore. The Lions five and one. The Ravens four and two. You've got highlighted here. What do you want to see from the Lions before they can overtake the Bills? Is your uh, your heartbeat? <laughs> uh, another win would be good. But no, nah, look, I think if they go in and beat Baltimore, <laughs> who very interestingly. John Harborough has said he didn't want the buy. I think teams now have the option after getting back from London that they can have the buy. The Titans have opted to have the buy. The Ravens have thought, no, we'll have our buy later in the year. So they're going to play off the back of a potential jet lag and stuff and back at home. Always very interested to see how that goes. But um, Detroit coming from Tampa, another road game for them. But they're, they're humming, as we mentioned. Uh, very interesting to see if, if they've got no running back. Um, it might be a bit of a tougher task, but that run defense is is super strong. So they can keep the if they can get the Ravens throwing the ball and Lamar throwing the ball, they're they're definitely a chance. And um, Montgomery and Gibbs, if they could be healthy and playing, I'd favor the Lions. But yeah, it might be depending on um, who's available for that one. The Chargers and the Chiefs, obviously, very different win loss records. At two and three for LA and and Kansas City at five and one. But I, I do feel like that despite the Chiefs only having that one loss and the, the Chargers having lost a bunch already, 
that, that if they if they just put things together for a little while, the Chargers can really worry the Chiefs here. Yeah, oh, that's that's the thing. So I think um, for sure that um, why I've kind of circled it as an important game. It's it's really good. A really good game for the excuse me the Chargers. I know you mentioned the yawning thing, so apologies for that, listeners. But yes, the Chargers to potentially upset the Chiefs. I don't know if that's on the cards, but it's um it's Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there's too much love loss there. I think Herbert um kind of rates himself against Mahomes, and um they it's obviously a divisional matchup, so that that kind of helps that that fuel that fire. But um yeah, they've always been really close games when these two play, uh, two quarterbacks have faced stuff, and very interested to see what the Chiefs can do, especially off a longer break on Thursday night football. Um, will that be hinder or help them? We'll see, but um. One of the one of the good games, especially in the late slate. Now, game of the week by far. You could over the last couple of years probably argue that Niners Vikings could be a potential game of the week, but I think if you look at it this week, it, it can only be Miami Philadelphia in Philly. Yes, both teams five and one. The offense of Miami against the defense of Philadelphia. What have you got here? What do you want to see? I want to see what the Dolphins can, Dolphins can do against a really good team. I know they, have, they they've played the Bills and they got flown out. Really, the Bills pants. Bills so look, as good as the Dolphins have been, yes, potentially they haven't beaten anyone yet. So um, who's the other teams they've beaten? The Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Giants, and Panthers. Yeah, all pretty putrid and none of them have a winning record. So let's see what they can do against a really good defense, a really good team. As a whole, the Eagles on the road, if they come in and blow up, put up 40 points, we know we're talking the real deal. But um, let's wait and see. Um, but uh, you kind of have to favour the Eagles slightly at this stage, being at home. But we'll see what happens. I wanted to ask you, because we'll get to it in a little bit, um, but if the Eagles put up 30 points on the Dolphins, do mm. you learn much? So the question is, does it tell you anything about the Eagles' offense or the Dolphins' defense? We know the Dolphins' defense is bad. So far, the Eagles' offense has been pretty average this season. If the Eagles come out and put up 30 on on Miami, does it tell you anything? Uh, it depends what the Dolphins score then. I, I think, like, I, I, honestly, if it, if it can go one of two ways. Like, if it's because some games are just kind of built to be a shootout and um, – that's probably more likely what I'd see in this one, I think. But um, if the Dolphins, if the Eagles score 30 points and the Dolphins score more, then yeah, I have learned something about the Dolphins. I think they're a very good team and you don't have to necessarily be great on defense to win. And we saw that, um, I think it was when the Broncos had Peyton Manning at the helm and he was kind of setting all those records. Their defense was okay, but it was, we'll just score more than you on offense. And, uh, I think that's kind of what Mike McDaniel's mentality has been so far this season. So, yeah, I, I think it just depends on what Miami do more so than what Philly do for me. Obviously, a couple of good teams in the Bengals and the Cowboys on the bye. We've also got the Texans, the Titans, the Jets, and Panthers off this week. Uh, the Take Bag, which is a, a new segment that we started uh, about a month ago for, for this season, um, where we each kind of put up a couple of thought starters, talking points, just things that kind of stick out at us 
over the course of the week. And given it's been a couple of weeks since we last spoke, Ryan, what have you got first out of the take bag? Well, it's actually a good segue you mentioned, mate, because um, my first take bag or my first take off the off the hot bag that is the take bag, mate, is that the Miami Dolphins, I've got them winning the AFC right now. Oof. And to be honest, if your Eagles weren't so bad in that second half, I'd say this is a Super Bowl preview, this game. But that's my hot take. I think the Dolphins have shown enough. Again, I know we just mentioned they haven't played anyone yet. And then when they did play the Bills, they got... They got smoked, but yeah, this is this is the game. I think this is the the chance they can show show the nation, show the world that they're up to it. And this offense is is something special. And why not for up against the Eagles this week, mate? Um, especially off what I saw in that second half, maybe there's a big opportunity for Dolphins um, to to go into Philly and take a big win. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And and that's it's a really good segue into either or both of. My my take bag points, and I'm not quite sure where to start. So maybe, maybe you go to your second one, and I'll try and figure mine out, and then uh, you can come back to me. What do you mean? You can you can say what well, the top one? Well, uh, yeah, okay, all right. So so you've got the Dolphins uh, as as the one seed in the AFC, and right now, I, guess, I mean, lots can change, but yes, sure, sure. But that's that's what the take bag is, right? That's that's cool. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs. Two-time Super Bowl champions, multiple Super Bowl appearances, even more AFC Championship game appearances. Yes. They are a dynasty. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs are underrated this year. I know, look, I put them at number five in the power rankings, and that's on me. And, and I still kind of agree with it. The Kansas City Chiefs are the only team in the entire NFL to be top 10 DVOA in all three facets of the game, which is offense, defense, and special teams. There is no other team in the NFL that is top 10 in all three of those things. And we look at the Bills, we look at the Niners, we look at the Eagles, who are good, above average in most of those things. And there's a bunch of other teams that are doing some really cool stuff, like the Detroit Lions and and whatever. But the Kansas City Chiefs are the only team in the entire NFL to be top 10 in all three facets of the game of DVOA, which is around, it's it's all around efficiency. And we know they're not performing to their high standard offensively. But in terms of efficiency, they're still right up there. And, and what that means, I think, for the rest of the league is that there is plenty of improvement still to come, that the eye test tells us that they're not the Kansas City Chiefs, that Pat Mahomes is not Pat Mahomes, he's not the Super Bowl MVP, and probably the player of our generation, at least right now. But they're still as good as they are in one of the most illuminating stats, I think, that you can look at in the NFL at the moment around efficiency and efficiency per play and efficiency per a bunch of things that they are top 10 in all three of these things. And we still say the chiefs aren't what we expect them to be. It's a very fair point. And look, you make a, a very solid argument because they've kind of been flying under the radar, if that's possible with all the Swifty carry on, but as their performance, <laughs> they've probably been flying under the radar because they've just, 
just been going from, you know, to, to borrow a phrase that I used earlier in terms of they're just winning games. They're not blowing teams out. They're doing enough. No fanfare. They're just kind of grinding out games. And But, yeah, stats don't lie. And, and you've shown that they're obviously a, a clearly a clear top 10 in, in all facets of the game, which is is probably the most crucial crucial stat there is. So, um, yeah, they've, they've looked a different team with Chris Jones on that defense, haven't they, since he's come back. And, mm. um, yeah, they're, they're still the cream of the crop in the AFC in terms of where they've been and what they've done. Um, but for right now, in terms of pure football, I'm, I'm just giving that number one seed to the Dolphins because, fuck, why not? I needed a, I needed a hot take and I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> well, just let's... Just on that point, because I think, like I said, I had kind of two points that I think are kind of similar areas. So talking about the the Chiefs' defense improving since Chris Jones has come back, and we're talking about the difference between them and, and Miami. But one stat that I kind of noticed over the course of the last week, 15 teams last week failed to score 20 points. And everyone always talks about kind of the modern game and – uh NFL offenses over the last you know decade or so we've seen you know these mobile quarterbacks we've seen throwing the ball more we've seen higher scores we've seen all these things and we always talk about offense but potentially this season defense is clawing its relevance back um defensive coordinators and head coaches are getting more creative they're getting more daring on defense they're calling some of the the most impressive play by play plays that you'll see, um, you know, situational defensive coaching, which is really impressive, and it's it's fun to watch, and I think people are loving watching defensive football at the moment. And I I guess my my hot take for the take bag is that defense is overtaking offense in this modern NFL. What do you think? certainly been the trend in 2023, hasn't it? I mean, we saw um, scoring kind of at its highest peak, I think, last year. I'm not sure if that's statistically correct or not, but it seems that way. There was, you know, teams going going huge and we saw a really good Super Bowl with, a, you know, a really high score, 38-35. Um, but it's it's been a lot more dour in a lot of games this year and it's been, you know, one or two touchdowns a game and even that, um, that Monday night game where you saw... Dolphins, Cowboys under the dome, like, oh, this could be a really high scoring game. They they didn't even score 40 points combined. So look, um mm. it, it certainly seems that way. It's been a trend for this year that, you know, and potentially, like you said, DC's getting a bit more uh daring, a bit more um out of the box with their thinking. They've, they've drawn up some good things, but defense coming back into the game is a good thing, I think. And um, you know, I, I don't mind watching a defensive struggle of a game. It was just that the Giants Bill's game was just an awful watch, but it wasn't because it was of the scoreline. It was just because of the standard of the game, but um, and about how many flags there was thrown and everything like that. But um, yeah, for sure, there's a lot of a lot of kind of sense in what you're saying about the defense coming back into it. And yeah, Mike McDaniel's out there to buck that trend, I suppose. Now your your final your final take from the bag this week. Yeah, look, I was thinking about and you know week six where good sample size into the season and you know there's always coaches that don't make it to the end of the season and I think the first one to go this year will be Frank Reich in Carolina don't think it's a perfect marriage there I've heard a few rumblings from you know watching 
various and listening to various podcasts and things and that it's not a harmonious relationship at the moment in Carolina between Frank Reich and the ownership. And there was open question marks about if he wanted to draft Bryce Young at number one. I think he had his eye on potentially um, a different quarterback. Reich did, but the GM or the owner or someone wanted Young in desperately. And the the really bad news for the Panthers fans is that that they don't hold their they don't hold their draft pick. For the- yeah, that's right. It's going to that's Chicago. Scary. So um yeah. the Bears could end up with one and two, which is which is crazy. But um that's it could be a long rebuild in Carolina, especially if they don't get some high-end talent back through the door again next year. So um I'm sure Bryce Young will come good. Um, but it could be a long road in Carolina and maybe Frank Reich doesn't see it out or he doesn't think he's the man for that. So um, we'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out, but that's my prediction at this stage. You can mark that down and I'm sure it'll be someone else and we can talk back out how silly I am, but um, it's not a huge call when your team's 0-5 or 0-6 or whatever they are, but that's yeah. my uh, second take for this week. Yeah, I don't mind it. Like, I don't love it because you know I'm a big Frank Wright fan, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I think you're probably spot on there it's hard to argue when when your team's going as bad as as the panthers are um before we finish up for uh week seven any plays of the week or or early kind of early week bets that kind of jumped out at you this week yeah i think um i had to borrow yours there with the bills i think they'll they'll smash the patriots i think the eight and a half isn't enough there, I think that would have been more on a double-digit kind of margin there. So the Bills to cover minus eight and a half against the Patriots. I think the Browns should be winning in Indianapolis, especially against Gardner Minshew. Um, we know the Colts' defense has been pretty decent this season, but one and a half only. Um, I know it's at a road game, but the Browns should get it done, especially if they're as good as what um, we think they are, especially on defense. The Browns should be covering that minus one and a half. I think it's a nice play that could blow out. Uh, and then I also didn't mind the Steelers. They were like my my dog of the week. I thought um, plus three for the Steelers wouldn't isn't too bad, especially against an up and down Rams team. We know that defense on the on the Steelers is still legit. So I think, um, especially with the Rams running back situation, Kyron Williams won't play. Um, who's been such a, a valuable asset for them this year? They haven't really got too much depth behind him. Um, Zach Evans, the rookie, might get be the lead back this year, uh, this week. So, um, the Steelers is a plus three, and then also the Lions as well, which I just realized they're plus three as well, which seems like overs for me. If you get three and a half on the Lions, jump at that, but the Lions plus three as well as a flat three is tempting, especially as an outsider at the moment against the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, don't mind that at all. I think you're right about the Bills. I think I feel like there's a bit of an overreaction to that performance against the Giants, and like I said, it may. I kind of feel like it was just a bad team stepping up against a good team and just bringing them down to their level. And the Bills this week against another bad team, I don't think they'll put up that type of performance two weeks in a row against bad teams. This Patriots defense is as bad as we've seen for 15 or 20 years. Um, and I feel like this line should be closer to two touchdowns than you know, a, a, a touchdown and a field goal. So eight and a half, well, that's under nine points. I'm taking that every day of the week. Um, the other one here was the Packers against the Broncos. I kind of feel like the Packers offensively, there's some question marks, but I'm not sure they've been as bad as, I don't know, that, that some have made them out to be. I think there's there's 
enough talent there and the Broncos defense is terrible and they can air it out. I think the, the Packers and minus one and a half, you know, like we said about the Broncos before, they could quite easily be last in the power rankings uh, this week. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if, as I expect the Packers come out and win this by a touchdown or more, uh, the Broncos very well could be last in the power rankings next week. So, mm. um, yeah, there's some massive, massive, massive question marks around uh, the Broncos. And I just feel like as a team, the Packers are not quite there, but I'm not sure they're as far off it as um, as some would have them. So I feel like the Packers win this by, by a little bit. Um, and while it's under, like I'm, I'm playing that line up to two and a half or three, um, so I'm pretty happy with, with one and a half. Um, the Jags and Saints under 39 and a half. You said it before. The Saints just don't know how to score at the moment. And against that Jags defense, um, I think this is going to be a real low scoring game. Like this could be another kind of 14, 17 type performance. And yeah, I'm, I know it's low. 39 and a half is low, but I'm not sure how this gets past kind of three to four touchdowns for, for the game, uh, maybe a couple field goals. But even still, like, it's it's a bit – it's still a bit too high. I kind of feel like it should be kind of 36 and a half, 37. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to play that one. And we talked about the Eagles' offense against the Dolphins' defense. The defense in Miami is bad. The Eagles' offense has been pretty average. Uh but I still feel like they're too good not to put it together at some stage. And and against this, against this Dolphins defense that doesn't know how to stop team mm-hmm. scoring, like that Miami might win this game and they might put up 40 points. They might put up 50 points. Um, I, I feel like that's probably unlikely against this Eagles defense, but the Eagles over 26 and a half, I, I feel like the Eagles should be scoring 27 to kind of 32, 34 against this Dolphins defense all the time. Um, and so 26 and a half, I feel like is a little bit low for Eagles and Eagles total score. So uh, over 26 and a half for me, but uh, any final thoughts from you this week, mate? No, there's a couple of, I think there's a couple of good plays you guys could follow in listeners. So hopefully you can get some, um, some early prices about those and hopefully Nick and I can move the markets, but um Doubtful, but um, we'll see how we go. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Uh, for anyone who's still here, thanks for for sticking with us. We know there's been some tech issues and it's taken a little while to get this episode out, but uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully uh, you get some winners this week. And uh, as always, jump on Twitter, jump on Instagram, jump on, jump on Facebook and, and you know, send us some some notes, some messages. Tell us what we got wrong. Tell us what we got right, what you like. Uh, but we are on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook, the Punt Return Podcast. Instagram at, what are we? NFL Podcast on Instagram. Um, yeah, look, it's been it's been a long week. Um, and, you know, send, send Ryan all your best wishes for a healthy recovery on his knee and also tell him to finally pick a team to support. Uh, <laughs> For this season anyway, because next season you'll have another team. So, all good. Uh, but as always, go Birds. Go Bills. And Lions.